take your Bible and go with me to the book of Jeremiah, would you please? Jeremiah. So if I preach till noon or so, is that okay? That's a good thing about preaching in chapel in an in a educational institution. Preach on, preacher, preach on. I get to miss my whatever, English class or science class or whatever it is, right? So um, Jeremiah chapter number 35 is where we're going to be this morning. And uh, if you're able to stand, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word here in the 35th chapter of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number 35. We'll begin reading in verse 1, if you would please. Verse 1. Verse 1 says, The word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go unto the house of the Rechabites and speak unto them, and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. Then I took Jeazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Habazaniah, and his brethren, and all of his sons, and the whole house of the Rechabites, And I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdaliah, a man of God, which was by the chamber of the princes, which was above the chamber of Maaseiah, the son of Shalom, the keeper of the door. And I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites pots full of wine and cups, And I said unto them, Drink ye wine. But they said, We will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, Ye shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons forever. Neither shall ye build a house, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any. But all your days ye shall dwell in tents, that ye may live many days in the land where ye be strangers. Thus have we obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he hath charged us, to drink no wine all our days, we, our wives, our sons, nor our daughters nor to build houses for us to dwell in. Neither have we vineyard, nor field, nor seed. Would you bow your head with me? Let's pray together. Would you just ask the Lord right there where you're standing, seated, Lord, speak to my heart this morning. Doesn't matter if I'm in the sixth grade, the twelfth grade, doesn't matter if I'm in the Christian school or... The college, doesn't matter if I'm a guest, I'm homeschooled today. Doesn't really matter who I am, but Lord, speak to my heart. And would you say to the Lord this morning, Lord, if you speak to me, I'll obey you. If you speak to me, I'll obey you. And I believe if you'll do that, God will speak and we should obey. Oh, Father, thank you this morning. What a wonderful privilege it is to gather this Tuesday morning together around the Bible. I thank you for these young people, Lord. I thank you for the staff and faculty and the college staff that are investing their lives in the lives of these young people. I thank you for uh, the others who are with us, some adults here. And, oh, Lord, I pray that not one of us 
would in our minds delegate this message to someone else. But I pray this morning we would open our hearts. That we would open our minds. That we would hear your voice. Our spirit would be receptive to your spirit. But more than just being receptive, oh Father, I pray today we'd be responsive to you. And I pray that we would do that which you deal with us about. You're going to deal with all of us in different ways. But I pray this morning that as a result of being together around the Bible, we'll be a little bit more like you. We'll please you. We'll we'll honor you with our life, our decisions, our actions. In Jesus' name I pray it all. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Many of us are probably familiar with the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a man that is in some place of prominence in the scriptures. If you're a Bible student, you have run across his name. His name is not only found in the Old Testament, the book that he wrote, but it's also found in some other books in the Old Testament. It's also found in, in, the, in the New Testament. And Jeremiah was a prophet. What is a prophet? A prophet is a preacher. A prophet is a proclaimer of truth. Jeremiah is a proclaimer of truth. But, but Jeremiah's testimony is a unique testimony. Leave a Bible marker there in chapter 35. We'll be back there. But go with me, please, back to chapter number 1. Go to Jeremiah chapter number 1. Jeremiah identifies the day that he is living in. And um, he has a phrase there in verse 2, which we also saw in, in chapter 35, uh, to whom the word of the Lord came. And it came in the days of Jehoiakim, it says, under the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah. He was, a, he was the last voice of God uh, to the nation of Judah before they were carried into captivity. And so it says, verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, look at verse 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Which reminds us that life begins the moment of conception. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Would you look right here? Just like Jeremiah, God has a plan for your life. I, I know your parents may have made this statement to you and maybe in jest, but you're an accident. No, there are no accidents. <laughs> God gives life, and when God gives life, God gives purpose. There's not a person in this room this morning from the youngest child to the oldest adult that God doesn't have a plan and a purpose for your life. Now, if you were to ask me when I was some of your ages, what's the, what's the plan of God for your life? I would have told you the plan of God for my life was to be a cardiac surgeon. That's what I wanted to do. From the time I was a little boy, I wanted to be a doctor. And as I got a little bit older, I got intrigued with the human body and the, and the systems of the body, and particularly with the circulatory system. And so as a boy growing up, I was going to be a cardiac surgeon. As a matter of fact, where I grew up, 
We didn't start high school till the 10th grade. Ninth grade was called junior high school. It was in the 10th grade that we started high school. And so when I got ready to go to high school, my father took me to meet with our, back in those days, we called them our family doctor, okay? They're, they're, they're primary care physician now. But in those days, they were, they were our family doctor. He'd been the doctor for my family. He'd been the doctor for my grandparents. And, and so I knew Dr. Paul Moffat rather well. As a boy growing up, when I got sick, I was always carried to Dr. Moffat's office. So when I got ready to go to the high school, we went in. My dad and I made an appointment with Dr. Moffat after hours. And we sat down and planned out my high school career. When I went into high school, I went in. The high school I attended didn't have a public uh, Christian school. We had one Christian school, but it was not really Christian. It just had Christian out on the name. They had a smoking area. When you got kicked out of the public school, that's where you went, all right? So, so I laid it all out. So my 10th and 11th grade years, I took Latin because he said that, that the Board of Regents at the University of Alabama, Birmingham Medical College would be impressed that I would take Latin. And uh, he knew two of those five men personally. They were in his medical class many years before that same university. And, and so I took physics. I took chemistry. I, I took calculus. I took trig. Uh, I, I took every advanced class. We laid it all out. And, of course, I use all of that every day, you know. Uh, the only thing I remember from Latin class is Romulus and Remus. That's the only, the only thing I remember. And, uh, and, and, but, but, you know, I had it all laid out. And yet, when I was 15 years of age, as a matter of fact, this September will be 50 years ago, okay? Um, 15 years of age in a little country church that I was raised in, our Sunday school teachers persuaded our pastor to let us take over the services on the fifth Sundays. There were four teenagers in my, in my church. There were three of us were men. One of us was a lady. Uh, we didn't believe that God called ladies to preach, so I've known some ladies that do a pretty good job. Uh, but um, but we, we, those other two guys had already preached on a fifth Sunday, and it came my turn to preach. I stood up that morning and preached. And uh, as I preached, uh, God helped me, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, to be honest with you. I thought, wow, ain't this something? All my life, I've gone to church, and my mama said, shh, be quiet, be quiet. You can get up to preach, you can say anything you want to say. You can say it as loud as you want to say it. I mean, people, you know, it's, I thought, man, this is great. I can come to church and yell, scream, holler, whatever I want to do. And, uh, and so I preached. And so over the next nine months, I would preach about 30 times, little country churches in southeast Alabama, southwest Georgia, north Florida. And finally, on June the 17th, 1975, I would know that God's will for my life was to be a preacher. Now listen to me. God knew that back when I thought I was going to be a cardiac surgeon. God has a plan for your life. Every one of you. I won't, I won't start getting you guys right. Maytab, is that close? It's another C, but I can't remember what it is. Help me. Caleb. Caleb. Andrew. Yeah, he messed up. He, he shouldn't sit here with these other guys, okay? He has an A in the middle of C crowd. Pray for him. I, um, oh, man, somebody's Chase, but I don't know if that's you or he. It's you. Give me your name. Colton. That's what I said it was, Colton. All right, and um, so, you know what? God's got to, got to play. And I go on down. I don't know all of your names, okay? But, but God could go through every one of you in this room this morning. It doesn't matter how young or how old we are. God's got a plan for our lives. God had a plan for Jeremiah. Now, when God called Jeremiah, look at what he says. Verse number 6. We're in chapter 1. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, 
I cannot speak, for I am a child. Listen to me. Probably most people, when they experience the call of God on their life, they probably offer some excuse. Why I can't do it. But God, when He calls us and when He puts... And listen to me. When I say the call of God, I'm not saying everybody ought to be a preacher, okay? If everybody ought to be a preacher, you know what we'd do in this room today? We'd have 500 pulpits and one chair, okay? So, so it's not, not everybody ought to be a preacher. Not everybody ought to be in full-time ministry. I, I understand that. But, but I believe that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. When God gave you life inside your mother's womb, God had a plan and a purpose for your life. Now, the reality is just like Jeremiah, you and I can yield to that plan or we can rebel against that plan. Now... He offers an excuse. What does the Lord say to him? We're in verse 7, chapter 1. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I'm a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, that shall I speak. thou speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am... What's those next two words? Preacher, those next two words are with thee. Thank you, sir. Right, those next two words are what? Come on now, if you don't wake up, I'm going to make you stand up and I'm going to sit down. I never know why the preacher has to stand up and everybody else gets to rest anyway. Huh? All right? He said, because I am, here's those two words, with thee. He said, I'm going to go with you. You know, you know, the wonderful thing about doing the will of God is you know you have the presence of God, the protection of God, the provision of God. I would, have never, I would have never in a thousand worlds thought I'd be a preacher. And, and when I answered the call to preach as a 15-year-old young man, I, I thought I'd always pastor about 20, 30 miles from Dothan, Alabama because every other preacher I ever knew, that's what he did all of his life. He just, he just pastored right there where he lived at. And he had a good job and, and he preached on Sunday and Wednesday. And I just, I just, I just knew that that's what God would want me to do. But, but, but when I gave my life to the Lord uh, that night, June 17, 1975, I said, Lord, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll even go to Calvary Baptist Church in King, North Carolina. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a Calvary Baptist Church in King, North Carolina. Matter of fact, I wasn't interested in North Carolina. Anything that had North in it, that probably meant these Yankees. And uh, so I just, you know, I was a Southerner by the grace of God. Amen. All right. But, but I yielded my life. And I just want to tell you, I just want to testify to you. I've never regretted it. <laughs> look, at, look at who I got to meet. I got to meet you. I got to meet your pastor. I got to meet Brother Rains. Just because I said yes. Listen to me. There's no greater adventure than the will of God. No greater. I, I need to get on to my sermon here, I know, but there's no greater adventure than the will of God. Nothing better than knowing and doing God's will. God's will may be for you to be a homemaker all your life. You know, I'm glad my wife invested her life in our children. 
The will of God may be for you to be a secretary. The will of God may be for you to be an electrician. The will of God may be for you to be a plumber. I, I tell young men all the time in, in our church, if, if, you, if you don't know what God wants you to do is something particular in ministry, won't you go get you a, a, a Bible degree, get you, get you a Bible certificate, whatever you want to call it, and, and then learn a trade. <laughs> I mean, you know, I guarantee you as long as the world stands, there are going to be plumbers and electricians going to be needed. All right? Serve the Lord in a local church and be a light for Jesus where he puts you at. So, so let's go back to our text now, all right? We'll, we'll, go, we'll go rather quickly, all right? So we're, we're back in 35, all right? So, so the first thing I want you to see is, understand is, Jeremiah is speaking in a time when it's difficult. I, I don't think I read it to you, but that next verse or two where we were in chapter one, he told them not to fear the faces. Not, not to fear the faces. In other words, not, not stop doing what you know God wants you to do because somebody else doesn't want you to do what God wants you to do. And listen to me, all of us face opposition in our lives. I do, you do. You, you face it on different levels and I face it, then I face it. Uh, and, and I realize that. You, you, you deal with some things that when I was a teenager, a young adult, I, I never even worried. I, there's no way, if you'd have told me when I was a, your age, okay, that there'd be a phone I'd carry in my hand that would be more powerful than the first computer I would ever own, which I didn't even know what a computer was. The only computer I knew about when I was in high school was the one in Brussels, Belgium, and they called it the Beast. That's all I remember about a computer. I remember they had this big mainframe over in Brussels, and it had information on everybody in the world. Well, you know what? I, I carry something so small and has information on everybody in the world. I mean, uh, the only kind of watch I thought that you could read a text, which I didn't know what a text, I'm, you, you can't believe how old I am, but I, 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 don't, I, didn't, I didn't know what a text was, when it was your, except for a Bible text, okay? If you'd have told me I had a, Dick Tracy had one of them. Look at Google him, son, Google him, all right? Dick Tracy, that'll, that'll, that'll be interesting Google right there, all right? Dick Tracy, the detective, I think he was a detective, was he a detective? Is that what he was? Okay. I'm looking at the older people up here. And, um, and so, so, you know, I, I had no idea. But, but listen to me. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're at, how old you are. It, you, there's always tough times. There's always times when people are against you. Jeremiah had opposition. And it's quite interesting that when Jeremiah went to these people, I didn't get there, and I'm sorry I didn't get there, but don't worry about it right now. But when he went to these people, he said, these people aren't going to move. These people aren't going to respond. You know, I learned a long time ago that, that, that I preach for the audience of one, and if God is pleased, it doesn't really matter who else is pleased or displeased. I like for you to smile at me. I like for you to laugh when I tell something funny. I like to see young people respond to the invitation. Absolutely. But listen to me. Sometimes that doesn't happen. What do you do at that moment? I'll tell you what you do. You keep on keeping on. Amen. See, when, when times get tough, the tough keep going. And Jeremiah's in that place. And it's interesting what God did. God gave Jeremiah because that he was preaching such a hard-hearted people, he, he gave Jeremiah some object lessons, is what we would call them. 
He, he told Jeremiah to take a girdle. That's, that's a garment that you wore underneath your clothes in that day. And he told him to go hide it in a certain place and pull it out. And the marred girdle, and he would, he would use that to teach his people. He would tell him over in about chapter 18, I think it is, to go down to the potter's house and watch the, watch the potter on the wheel. And he, he, would, he would take that and he, he would tear it down because it wouldn't be pleasing. And, and he'd build it again. And he would go on and on and on. And so what we have in our test, text this morning... It is another test. Now, now the test is quite interesting. All right? Look, look, look back with me, if you will, in uh, verse number one. Uh, no, sorry. Two. Go into the house of the Rechabites. Speak to them. And notice it. And bring them into the house of the Lord, into the one of the chambers. That's one of the rooms in the temple. And the latter part of that verse says, and give them wine to drink. Wine. Why in the world would God tell Jeremiah to bring this family to the temple and give them wine? You know what he was doing? He's putting them to the test. See, these Rechabites are a good picture of you and me this morning. Uh, they, they confessed that they were, they were not permanent residents. You remember what they said there? They said, uh, uh, they said you, verse 7, Neither shall ye build a house. And verse 9, Nor to build houses for us to dwell in. They, they were nomads. They were, they, they were people who lived in tents. They were people who were, realized that they were not in their permanent dwelling place. You know, the wonderful reality for us this morning as born-again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ is you and I are not permanent residents here. We're temporary. We're, we're passing through. It's not, this is not all there is. There is, a, there is far greater than this earthly life, and that is a life that will be spent eternally for those of us that know Jesus in the presence of God Himself. But even those who never trust Him, they'll have a... Life, it'll really be a death because it'll be separation from God forever. And these Rechabites are brought in. They're given a rather unique test. Look down at, at verse number uh, four. Yeah, he's, verse number four, he says, And I brought them into the house of the Lord. Verse number five, And I set before the son of the house of the Rechabites pots. I mean, there was a abundance Pots full of wine and cups. Listen to me. Listen to me. When, when temptation comes knocking at our door, my door, your door, when a test comes knocking at, at, in our lives, you know what? There's always abundance of it and there's always means to carry it out. They weren't just given pots full of wine and, and said, well, just scoop it up with your hand. No, he gave them cups. He, he gave them everything they needed to participate in drinking the wine. Now, at some time in your life, in my life, our Bible convictions and standards are going to be tested. You're going to find a place. It may be, it may be a place you've already gotten to. If it's not today, it may be tomorrow. But, but there's coming a time when every one of us, what we believe based on the Bible, will be tested. And, and, and that's what God is doing to these Rechabites. He's testing them. He is, he is bringing them to a point of decision. That's what temptation does. Now, look at verse number 6. Everybody got verse 6? 
Alright? But they said, and I want you to read from said, we'll start with the next word, we, and we'll read down to the colon. You ready? Here we go. You ready? We will drink no wine. Wow. I love how the scriptures convey the reality to us. They said. They said. Listen, listen to me. Listen to me. There's strength in numbers. That's one of the good advantages of a Christian school and a Bible college. There's strength in numbers. In other words, I'm not the only one who believes this way. There's some others. One of the good things I think it's good for us in our Christian school circles is be around other Christian school students and realize, you know what, there are other people in other towns and other places and other churches and other schools believe just like we do. They said, wasn't one of them, wasn't Jonadab, wasn't the leader. They said, we will drink no wine. We're not going to. We're not going to participate, Mister Jeremiah. We're not going to do what you ask us. You know, peer pressure can be a good influence as much as it can be a negative influence. We will drink no wine. Now, notice why they would drink no wine. Look at it. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father commanded us. Ye shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons forever. Why why did they pass the test? They passed the test because they were willing to stand where their forefathers had stood. Now, now if I could give you a challenge this morning, as as a younger Christian man or lady, I'd give you this challenge. I would say to you, don't reject what your forefathers believe and have taught you, but rather receive what they have believed and taught you and stand where they have stood. It's one thing to stand inside the walls of a Christian school or church. It's another thing to stand out on the job, out in the world, in your neighborhood. If you go to a secular university, we had a young man that was in my youth group. I was still the youth pastor back when this happened. I think it's 1994. I was still the youth pastor. and He had graduated from our church school. He went to East Carolina University. And in his freshman English class, Professor asked on the opening day, he said, probably, Mr. Rabin, I was Mr. Rabin in those days, said, probably, Mr. Rabin, there's about 400 students in my class. He said, how many of you in this class are willing to say that you're a Christian and you believe the Bible? He raised his hand. He said, Mr. Rabin, I was only one in 400 students. So his professor pointed him out and said, now, son, If you'll write me a paper on how you can prove the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you won't have to come to class one day this semester and I'll give you an A. Well, it just so happened. I had just finished in my master's study a course on apologetics and had just written a 40-page paper on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I didn't give it to him, okay? I know you're, you're seeing plagiarism all over that, aren't you? We didn't have no AI in my day, okay? We, we really did our own work, all right? 
So, so I, said, I said, Bradley, here are my sources. I don't remember how many, 15, 20, 25 sources. I said, here's, here's my bibliography. I want you to go through and I want you to study this thing out and I want you to write it out and I want you to give it to him. He said, well, Mr. Raven, I'm going to go to class anyway. I said, I didn't mean for you to skip class. I'm not trying to get you out of class. I said, but here you go, write this paper. And, and he did. And I'll never forget his response, how the Lord helped him and taught him. He said, man, I didn't, I, there's things I never even thought about before that proved the resurrection. For one thing, I'll give you one thing. The apostles died for the message of the gospel. Well, why would you die for what you think was a lie? Uh, they changed their worship day from Saturday to Sunday because of the resurrection. And anyway, just on and on, I won't, I won't bore you with my, my deep research there. I could tell you were impressed. But, but, but you know what? He is willing to stand. He, he is willing to stand. And I'm going to tell you, if you got a mom and dad, if you got grandparents that, that have stood for God and stood for the Bible and stood for right, one of the, one of the, greatest, one of the greatest challenges in your life is, is keep standing. These Rechabites did not give in. So you see the times, you see the test. Here's the truth, okay? Why did they not give in? I want you to keep reading with me. We're at verse 7, would you please? Neither shall you build house, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any. Go down to verse number 9. This is what they said that we've been charged nor to build houses for us to dwell in. Neither have we vineyard nor field nor seed. All right? Neither have we vineyard nor field nor seed. Well, how, how in the world could they not give in? You know why? Because they had decided that they not only would not drink wine, they had decided that they would never plant a vineyard. They had decided that they would never buy a field. They had decided that they would never carry any seeds in their pockets. Let me tell you why many of us Give in so easily because we don't have many barricades between us and sin. You say, what is God saying? What's God saying? What are the Rechabites saying? They're saying, we didn't drink wine. We didn't plant a vineyard. We didn't buy a field. And we never bought a grape seed. You want me to tell you why you give in easy? You're walking around with seeds in your pocket. You've already bought a field. Some of you already planted a vineyard. Now I'm talking about symbolically. So the next step is just to take the grapes and make you some wine. See, when you deal with sin when it's small, give me a sixth grade boy, give me a sixth grader. Is there a sixth grader in the building that'll help me? Come right here, come right here. One of you come, eighth grade, eighth grade young man, come on. I'm not going to hurt you, I promise you. Is it worth a million dollars? Okay, all right. No sixth grader. I'll get a seventh grader. Give me a seventh grader. All right. Give me, give me a, uh, let's see, you're eight. Give me a tenth grader. Tenth grader. Got a tenth grade guy? Ninth grade guy. Eleventh grade guy. Is there a man in the house? 
All right, come on. What grade are you in? 11. Huh? 11. Okay, give me a 12th grader. Is there a senior? Senior guy? No seniors? I thought there was a senior guy who raised his hand a while ago. Is there a senior guy? Nobody? Who's, who's a senior? Tell me. Any of you guys a senior? How about you just helping me then? Come on. Is it Caleb? Is that right? Is it Caleb? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. So come, come right here. Stand, no, you, you, you switch with him. Whoop, whoop, come, around, come around here. All right. So give me your names. All right. Give me your names. Jaden. Jaden. Alex. Alex. Connor. Connor. That's a good name. I got a grandson named Connor. Connor's sitting right there too. All right. Okay. I, I remembered your name. Sorry. All right. So, all right. So we're, we're, we're going to let Caleb be the wine. I'm sorry, Caleb. Somebody had to be. You're the wine, okay? And, and we're going to let Con- No, is it Connor? Yes, sir. Okay. And we're going to let Connor be the vineyard. And we're going to let J- Justin... No, Jaden was here. Jaden and... Alex. That's what I said, Alex. And we're going to let Alex be... Let's see, we got the wine, we got the vineyard, we're going to let him be the field, and, and we're going to let Justin... Jaden. I used to work with teenagers, but it didn't affect me any, okay? All right. We're going to let him be the seed, all right? So we got the seed, we got the field, we got the vineyard, we got the wine. Did you notice anything? As they, as, as they go more, they get bigger. You, you know what? When, when temptation knocks on your door, it's just a seed. But when you crack the door a little bit, it becomes a field. When you open a little bit more, it becomes a vineyard. And when you open it fully, it's, it's full-blown wine. You, you, you know what you got to do? Here's the truth. Here's the truth. This is the truth. you got to deal with sin when it's smaller. I think, now I don't know this, Jaden, okay? I think I could take Jaden. I think I could. I know I'm older, and, but I think if Jaden and I got in a fight, I'd have a chance. A fighting chance. You think I would, Jaden? Okay. Hey, that's, that's good. If he gives in that easy, I might could beat him. You want to try it right here? See who can pin who? Count them to three? You're fine? I might not be. I might want to see if I can win. You know, I, I fought my two sons. I have two sons. One of them's 40, one of them's 37 now. I fought them and pinned them until I realized the last time I pinned them, it probably wouldn't happen again. I've never fought them again. So the last vision they have of me is whatever, 13, 14, 15, 16, wherever. The last vision they have of me is me holding them down, counting to three, okay? Now, I might have a chance with Alex. I don't know. It's probably going to get a little more difficult over here with Connor. And by the time I got to Caleb, we're just not going to wrestle, okay? Why not? Because the bigger it gets, the harder it is. See, see, sin comes in. It, it may come in right over here. Immorality is where it'll end up, right over here. But it, but it may come in here as just a, a bad thought. It, it may come in here as just something I, I see on the internet, on my phone. It, it, may, it may come in here with me getting involved with some young lady uh, before I'm married. And when I get here, you know what? I just give in. You know why? Because I've got the seed in my pocket. I bought the field. I planted a vineyard. And now I have the wine. And I can just do what I want to do. You let me tell you why you're struggling with sin? You're struggling with sin because you've got some seeds in your pocket. You're walking around thinking, oh, it ain't that, it ain't that bad. 
I mean, you can take it, you can take it any, you can talk, talk about lying, you can talk about immorality, you, you can talk, hey, listen to me, a bad music choice, a bad music choice usually starts with just a, 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 a handful of seed. And this ain't real bad. Listen to me, what you and I need to understand is, it's not what we're dealing with today that we're ultimately going to have to deal with. Sin progresses, sin gets harder to deal with. They, 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 they said, hey, we're going to drink no wine. And I'll tell you why we don't drink no wine. Because our daddy said, don't you plant a vineyard. Don't you own a field. And don't have any seed in your pocket. What little bit do you have this morning that you think is not really bothering you too bad yet? What is it? Where is it at on this progression? Listen to me. Every... Every wrong action begins with a wrong thought. You know what the wise man said? The wise man said, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So is he. In other words, the Bible says when you got the seed, you're going to get you a field so you can plant you a vineyard so you can drink the wine. And listen to me. It's a lot easier to deal with when it's just seed in your pocket. When it's just a little bit. When when it hasn't sprung up. When when it hasn't even been planted in the field. When when there's no vineyard yet been grown. When, When there's no wine yet produced. You can deal with a lot easier down here with Jaden than you can here with Caleb. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you helping me. Thank you so much. What are you saying, Pastor Raven? I'm saying that if you don't stop sin when it's small, you're going to be in trouble. And when you have one, it's easier to justify getting the next one. When you buy seed... It's easier to say, well, you know what? I need a field to plant this in. And when you plant grape seeds in a field, if it's a fertile field, it's going to grow a vineyard. And when it grows a vineyard, it's going to produce grapes. And if you take those grapes and you ferment those grapes, you're going to have full-blown wine. So what are you saying, Pastor Raven? I'm saying deal with wherever it is in your life today. It may be the seed. That may be all it is. And if it is, thank God. It may be the field. Maybe the vineyard. Maybe full blown. You, you, you and I need to understand rebellion always builds upon itself. Look down at verse 18. And Jeremiah said unto the house of the Rechabites, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Because ye have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father, kept all his precepts. So that, that means they didn't, they didn't have any seed, didn't have a field, didn't have a vineyard. And done according to all that he hath commanded you. Verse 19. Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab the son of Rechab, shall not want a man to stand before me forever. What does that mean, not want a man? It means he'll never not have someone 
who's standing before God in right. Now, I don't know any Rechabites today. I doubt seriously there's any Rechabites in this room, okay? But I promise you, somewhere on planet Earth today, there's some Rechabites. You know why? Because they, when, when they were your age, they said, wow, I'm not going to drink wine. I'm not going to plant a vineyard. I'm not going to buy a field. I'm not even going to walk around with a little seed in my pocket. Challenge to you is live with no vineyard, no field, no seed. Let's bow our heads for prayer, please. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I don't know what God may have dealt with you about this morning. I don't know what it is in your life you're struggling with. It, it may seem really small and insignificant right now. But right now, the Holy Spirit, because you're a Christian, is putting His finger on that